0: hello and welcome to the nourish gut podcast this space is for you if you suffer from digestive issues such as ibs SIBO, or even bowel disease this is also the place for you if you're thinking about having a baby or if you have young children and would like to learn more about the infant microbiome i am your host carly raven i'm a naturopath clinical nutritionist gut health expert and mother My mission is to resolve complex gut health issues and reduce the prevalence of gut disorders by educating parents just about how vital gut health is in infants. So, if you're ready to get your shit together, please grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy and let's improve our guts together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nourish Gut Podcast. I am really excited for today's episode because this is on a topic that I really love. And it's something that I'm treating and seeing more commonly in my clinic with my patients. And it's kind of been on my brain lately because I'm about to do a a IBS and SIBO webinar for practitioners. It's actually on tomorrow night. So if you are a practitioner and you're listening to this, go and register for that. It's with Designs for Health. And um, we've already have like 650 practitioners signed up, which is so exciting. I cannot wait. Um, Seven o'clock tomorrow night. So jump on that um, list. And if you can't make it live, there will be a replay sent out to you. So what I'm talking about today kind of goes in line with what I'm covering in some of that webinar. And it's one aspect to SIBO. And what I'm talking about is hydrogen sulfide SIBO and also LIBO. And I want to talk a little bit about LIBO and SIBO to begin with today. And that's because hydrogen sulfide can be found in both the small and the large bowel. So SIBO is an overgrowth of bacteria in the small bowel and LIBO is an overgrowth of bacteria that occurs in the large bowel as well. And we can find an overgrowth of hydrogen sulfide in both of these areas. And when they're they're in excess, they can cause significant health issues. And they've actually been linked to some diseases as well, which we're going to be talking about today. So we've talked a lot about SIBO um, already on this podcast, and it's something that I absolutely love. But what we don't actually understand is that there's different types of SIBO. So you can have methane-dominant SIBO. Um, it's actually, it's, it, methane-dominant SIBO has actually been reclassified because they've actually found that it's no longer even a bacteria. So it's now um, intestinal methane overgrowth, um, also known as EMO. You also have uh, hydrogen-dominant SIBO, and what i'm going to be talking about today is the hydrogen sulfide predominant SIBO, and this one's a trickier one to diagnose because there isn't like this standard test in america there is now um, a test for it but we are still waiting for that to come out in australia at this point and so we're relying on our standard SIBO testing But we are looking for certain things on this test, right? And that is that you would be seeing a flatlining in both the hydrogen and the methane results um, that is helping you diagnose and identify whether hydrogen sulfide is actually an issue. So we would always naturally see an increase in hydrogen in the later stages of the SIBO testing as a natural part. So that's in the third hour Of the testing and when I'm doing my testing for patients always make sure you're getting lactulose glucose and fructose so that you're not missing any chance of identifying whether you have SIBO Um, so you know if you're definitely flatlining um, in those that third hour in both the hydrogen and the methane it's a definite you know my ears would be pricking up a little bit and going hmm I wonder what's happening with hydrogen sulfide in microbiome testing what we can actually look for is specific bacteria that produce hydrogen sulfide and there are a range of these ones so in particular the main one is one called um, D-sulfofibrio and he is a sulfur producing bacteria so we definitely look at that on our most good microbiome tests that is um, specifically looked for and another one is Bilophia wadsworthia is another one that I specifically look at but there are a few things like salmonella enterobacteria helicobacter pylori klebsiella they can all um, also produce some hydrogen sulfide um, as well so you know, you want to be scanning for multiple different things. And this is what happens when you're working with someone who's really trained and knows what they're looking for um, in amongst all of the amazing information that we get back on our microbiome tests. So testing for the small bowel and the large bowel can help us to actually work out whether there is an overgrowth of that bacteria and that gas in either the small or the large bowel. Now it's interesting because hydrogen sulfide actually has some really positive effects um, on the microbiome and the digestive system. But when it's there in excess, that's where it tends to pose a little bit more of an issue. So you know it's not all doom and gloom when we're talking about hydrogen sulfide. So you know if you have healthy levels of this, that would be fine and normal. However, when we get an overgrowth of the bacteria that are producing the hydrogen sulfide gas, this is where we have to start looking at why is there an imbalance? Why are we seeing this dysbiosis and why are those bacteria starting to thrive? And as I mentioned before, we we do have you know some not so beneficial links and outcomes of excess ongoing high hydrogen sulfide levels so things like there's now some research to link it with like chronic gut inflammation and we know that that's not a good thing because it will uh, cause damage to our gut lining um, whether that be the stomach or the small intestine or the large bowel and therefore you're at uh, a risk of more serious gut issues like bowel disease so you always want to make sure you're doing whatever you can to minimize inflammation to minimize the risk of bowel disease and more chronic conditions there are some Uh, research articles that also link it to colorectal cancer and this is a massive reason why we should be making sure that we're doing everything that we can to make sure that our gut is not in a dysbiotic state. And of course it's linked to IBD so there's so many little research articles that I'm constantly uh, looking at that uncover many um, associations between um, IBD and um, excess hydrogen sulfide so that can be in patients with ulcerative colitis in Crohn's disease um, and it all comes back to also the other compounding effect factors that are going on with these patients i think it's really interesting you know when we're always looking at the individual and obviously it might not be just excess hydrogen sulfide that is causing the ibd or the colorectal cancer they're probably not great, eating the greatest diet they have probably got stress potentially medications there's genetics as well so i'm not saying that there's this black and white you know clear answer that you have excess hydrogen sulfide, so you could have hydrogen. Sorry, you could have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's or bowel cancer. It's not that simple, but it is an element, and there is research to show that it is part of that picture in some patients with these conditions. So, we should be doing everything possible to try and minimise these levels and create a healthy microbiome, so that we minimise the risk. So when it comes to the symptoms of excess hydrogen sulfide, there's quite a lot of different symptoms. The main ones that I tend to see are like really smelly stools and flatulence or even bad breath. Um, You can also get other digestive um, symptoms like cramping, pains, diarrhea. Um, And this is common in patients uh, with small intestinal hydrogen sulfide overgrowth. But it can also present with constipation in patients where there's significant large bowel hydrogen sulfide producing bacteria that are overgrown and producing that gas. Um, As I mentioned too, obviously IBD and and mostly ulcerative colitis from the research that I've seen, Um, patients can also report an intolerance to food such as like eggs red meat onion garlic kale broccoli the cruciferous vegetables because they're high sulfur food so it's putting fuel on the fire so if you're someone who's listening today or you might be a practitioner listening today and you've got patients that fit this presentation or you're fitting this presentation getting some specific testing could be really highly beneficial for you to try and work out, you know, is this a part of the picture? Because it doesn't, these symptoms don't mean that it is, I really think that we need to be, you know, testing this so that we're not treating unnecessarily. Um, Other kind of key symptoms are things like fatigue, brain fog, and even just being overweight. And that inability to lose weight um, is also uh, um, commonly seen. Even just things like headaches um, and uh, night sweats, um, eczema, and alcohol intolerance, um, body pain, and joint pain are some other things that um, you know aren't directly related to the digestive symptom, but therefore we don't commonly think of them. So I did want to mention them today um, as well for you guys, so that we can start to kind of get you know a little bit um, of an understanding. So. You know, when it comes to um, why we get an overgrowth of hydrogen sulfide, I don't think that it's clear cut. There are some theories out there, um, you know, around uh, diets and excess sulfur and, you know, having uh, poor diets um, in overall fiber consumption and antibiotic use because um, a lot of the... um, Sulfur-producing um, bacteria are resistant to broad-spectrum broad antibiotics, um, and hydrogen sulfide is produced as like a defense mechanism when they're taken. Um, so it's important to to note that you know that has an implication on the gut. Um, even things like a low FODMAP diet, so that can actually worsen. Um, the symptom picture when it comes to patients with hydrogen sulfide um and even diets like paleo ketogenic those really high saturated fat animal protein um high use of coconut oil these can all really affect um the production of hydrogen sulfide and it really helps those bacteria thrive so there's definitely that diet aspect um, that we need to be considering in terms of a cause but then on the flip side there are also things and strategies that we need to be using to actually help reduce hydrogen um, sulfide production uh, as well so when it comes to the actual treatment of hydrogen sulfide overgrowth we 100% need to be looking at the diet. We look at the diet with every single gut condition. Like no patient of mine can be just treated by, you know, taking supplements. Um, it's a part of, that's one piece of the, you know, piece of the puzzle that everyone needs to be doing. But if you don't change your diet, there's only so much better you're going to get and to be honest with you i think that diet has such a big impact long term and that's what's going to help you sustain these changes and keep them there and keep your gut really nourished so short-term elimination of animal-based products especially you know red meat dairy and eggs during the active treatment of hydrogen sulphide is really really important Um, and that means looking at more of a switch over to the plant-based diets including um soy-based products can be really great um, because they actually help with hydrogen sulfide um, rebalancing. Um, Taking note there what I said before about the FODMAP diet as well, if you've been on a long-term FODMAP diet for your SIBO or IBS and it hasn't helped and you may even feel worse, uh, it is actually highly likely that you have hydrogen sulfide SIBO and potentially uh, if you weren't working with someone who really knows the ins and out of SIBO, the different types of SIBO, the different types of IBS, it could have been missed, and therefore you're on a long-term FODMAP diet for no reason, and probably it's doing more uh, having more of a negative impact rather than a positive impact as well. So. Alongside, obviously, those diet changes, making sure that we're taking specific prebiotics so that you know we're feeding our colonic um, ecosystem. Um, and what they also do is um, can acidify the colon um, due to short-chain fatty acids, including butyrate, which I love. They're so good for you. We need to make sure that we're getting those healthy bacteria functioning well, producing short-chain fatty acids and butyrate, because that is how you're going to have a nourished gut for the long term. You can take um, hydrogen sulfide binders. Um, There's a range of different herbal medicines, not just for... Hydrogen sulfide. We need to treat the entire digestive system. You know, we need to be looking at the upper digestive system. If it's in the large bowel, you'll often need to look at the small bowel. If it's in the small bowel, then you'll often be treating the large bowel as well. And we use specific herbal medicines and therapies for the individual. There is no cookie cutter treatment. Um, I run a six-month program for patients with IBS, IBD, and um, SIBO. And I have multiple patients on my program at the moment who all have SIBO. They all have a different type of SIBO and different driving factors. There's elements that are similar, but you know there is we can't just treat everybody the same way. So making sure that you're getting individualized care is really, really important for your SIBO. There are different medications that we can use as well. So Rifaximin is a really commonly prescribed medication. Um medication for SIBO. Um, and I have that discussion with my patients and if we can source refaximin easily, then we will. Um, and I'm integrative and open to that. but I will always um, also use my naturopathic toolbox and treat alongside the Rifaximin as well because you will a hundred percent get better outcomes, even something like, You know, there's clinical trials that have now been done on Rifaximin and partially hydrolyzed gum, and how much that will increase the um, effectiveness of the Rifaximin when they're um, looking at control groups and comparing them. So there's so many things that we can do to even enhance the medication, which is really, really great. Of course, I'm going to talk about probiotics today because... I would not be a gut health naturopath and not talk about a probiotic. Um, there are really great strains um, of probiotics. And again, it is has to be strain specific. So um, there is... Um, an american strain um which is the plantarum p8 however um it's not often commercially available um so what i often use is another one um which is lactobacillus plantarum 299v and i'm getting really really great results with that in my clinical practice um and using that with my patients um Especially in the short term, active treatment of the hydrogen sulfide, along with the other things that I've mentioned today, um, you know, and you've got to make sure that we're also supporting the the body um, with detoxification and the immune system and specific nutrients because. it's not just going to be the hydrogen sulfide that's going on. So, you know, zinc and molybdenum and, um, vitamin D are, you know, three of the other common things that I'll always scan for, even iron, you know, because if those things aren't, you know, imbalance. It's so much harder for my patients to to heal and to feel really good. And often things can go a little bit wobbly when we're first treating SIBO. Sometimes it's not always smooth sailing. Health is never linear. Um, and, you know, this is why I developed my Six month program where I work very, very closely with every patient that I um, see. We have weekly calls, we do, um, there's an avenue where they can chat with me privately and send me voicemails. And, you know, I'm constantly coaching them and supporting them through this because I believe that it's through having this really amazing support um, rather than just. One appointment here and there that gets my patients really amazing results. And, um, you know, you get to educate them so much more in this capacity as well. So yeah, I absolutely love treating hydrogen sulfide. I've been learning more and more about it this year, and then also seeing great clinical outcomes in, in patients, um, really quickly, like, even just six weeks of treatment, um, of specific hydrogen sulfide treatment. Um, you know, and it's really clear, like when you get those results back and you think about the patient, it is like bang on the money. Like it's like, and then when you start treating them and they respond so quickly, um, you're like, yeah, I'm on the right path. And then it's about going, all right, that was a diet therapy, that was a diet treatment plan. Now what are we going to do once we have rebalanced that microbiome? And maybe there are other things in the digestive system that you need to treat um, because hydrogen sulfide was just one part of it. So hydrogen sulfide is so, like, I just find it so fascinating and I think we're only going to keep learning more and more about it. Um, So if you have any of the symptoms I mentioned today uh, or there was any Thing that popped up and you're curious and you want to know more come and join my free facebook group the nourished gut community or send me a dm on instagram or you can always book a complimentary gut health call with me just via my website carlyraven.com um, and i'd love to chat to you more don't Don't sit there and suffer. Um, You know, some of these symptoms are chronic. And as I mentioned today, they can be linked to more serious conditions over an extended period of time, like bowel disease and colorectal cancer. So now is the time to identify that you need help and you really can't put a price on good gut health and well-being. And if you can reverse or prevent something, I just think, you know, if if money is the reason why you're putting something off, then... just don't let that be the reason because you just some people do not realize how good they're supposed to feel i have so enjoyed talking about this today it's uh, a topic that i absolutely love and there's so many different elements to SIBO um, and i could literally keep talking about it but i'm going to wrap it up and leave that with you all today and as i mentioned please reach out if you have any questions i'll see you next time Take care. Did you like what you heard? Leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about my Nourish Gut program or the Nourish Gut Kids membership, head over to my website. Would you like to be a part of a community that gets it? Join our Facebook group, Nourish Gut Community, or come and follow me over on Instagram. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time on the Nourish Gut Podcast.